מי ירה עליו בלוס אנג'לס? איך הוא התגלגל לשחק בוונצואלה, אחת המדינות המסוכנות בעולם? איך היה לחלוק מחנה אימונים באוקלאומה עם דורנט, וסטברוק והרדן? חוויות מאדלשטיין והפועל תל אביב, ולמה לעזאזל הוא נמצא עכשיו בחופשה בישראל באמצע העונה? אנטוני גודס, שחקן כדורסל וכוכב פודקאסט, הגיע לתת גול עצמי. גול עצמי! גול עצמי! ויש לנו פודקאסט! ברוכים הבאים לגול עצמי, הפודקאסט החדש שלי, אני רץ צפריר, ויחד איתי חברי הטוב יוסי אדרי, יאללה יוסי. אהלן. אנחנו נעבור ברשותכם לאנגלית, כי היום נמצא איתנו אורח יקר מאמריקה, למרות שהוא נמצא כבר הרבה שנים באירופה ובישראל. Please welcome, Anthony Goods. I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, thanks for coming, Thank Anthony. Uh, just so everyone knows who we've got here, Anthony is uh, 30 years old. 32 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 31 
such a weird situation because maybe now they're talking about uh, if AD leaves, then the, the franchise leaves. You know, so <laughs> he, ha- he has a lot of uh, responsibility on yeah. his shoulders, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, I, I mean, that is... That is true, but I mean, guys are getting older, man. They have to do, you know, what's best for their career. I mean, at the end of the day, when he's 10 years retired, you know, he has to look back on his basketball memories and he has to be happy with his decisions, you know. So uh, I think it's whatever's best for him, I think, is is the best decision. And, you know, they're going to love you. They're going to hate you regardless of what you do. Now we'll we'll go we'll come back to the NBA uh, afterwards. But now let's talk a bit about yourself. You've been here for ten uh, days now. Yeah. Uh, but you're still registered as a player of Nancy in the second division in France. So tell us what is going on here. Yeah. So I had a uh, I had an injury. Uh, not even an injury. I just had something that was bothering me before a game. I still played the game. I played fine. I didn't have any pain after that. But. Uh, went through an MRI and then they said uh, they said I needed to rest two months I got a second opinion they said I needed to rest a few days <laughs> so uh, they did all the paperwork they had uh, they got me on insurance for two months so I'm just sitting out so uh, until like the end of February so they gave me the option to you know be wherever I wanted to be as far as this quote-unquote rehab period so you don't need to practice with the team nothing I don't have to practice I haven't spoken to anybody I don't know what's so going. You, 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 you think they're trying to get rid of you or uh... nah I don't think they're trying to get rid of me because of the way it is in France it's like uh let's say I'm hurt you know they have a medical replacement you know somebody uh somebody comes in and then I guess when I'm healthy you know the other person has to go back I think when I come back we're probably gonna have like one more uh American than uh then it's allowed and we'll probably just have to rotate Americans if not or, or probably they're gonna end up cutting somebody but um, I don't think they're trying to get rid of me but I think uh, yeah it's just a weird situation so basically you got a winter vacation in Israel sponsored by Nancy's uh, <laughs> insurance <laughs> yeah exactly I got a I kind of got a winter vacation uh, just trying to stay in shape and try to stay away from too much food you know trying to limit <laughs> myself to three meals a day I see you at the end of February uh, coming back to Nancy after road tripping Europe saying hey guys I'm back I brought you all some hummus from uh, <laughs> Jerusalem and weed from Amsterdam yeah <laughs> <laughs> now you can't bring weed you know that's a violation you know what I'm saying but, but uh, yeah no nah, definitely man I'm uh Uh, I'm gonna enjoy this time you know it's uh you know it's an unfortunate time obviously I want to play but you know if uh, this is what we're doing as a team I mean the team's still doing well we're in second place right now so uh, just looking forward to getting back with my guys and hopefully uh, winning the championship this year explain to us what is switch Cultures. okay so switch cultures is a video highlight platform on Instagram and YouTube uh, we specialize in uh, exclusive video content for you know NBA and overseas basketball players we sprinkle in a little college here and there sometimes some women's basketball but uh yeah we're, we're pretty much I think the uh, the only video platform that, that does highlights for players all over the world because you know we saw a need where you Basketball players, at least American basketball players, you know, we come overseas and uh, these guys have great careers and nobody back home knows. Nobody yeah. sees it. Guys have 40 points. Nobody sees it. Yeah. Nobody heard about it. And then now I think, you know, we're providing that video evidence for these guys to show their families or for anybody to see it. Coaches, agents, fans, whoever.
I thought like about Mike Batiste, who was like a, this legend in Europe. He mm. goes in Greece in the street, everyone knows him, he's like a god. But he goes back home, and now he's an assistant coach. And I always wonder like if the young guys that are on the team knows like about the legend of Mike Batiste or you know no. examples like that. It's, it's crazy that it's just a great platform to to advertise like uh, what you're doing in Europe. Yeah, for sure. And that's and that was the thing is like so many. So many guys come back from overseas and, you know, they've had, you know, great careers. And, I mean, I, I saw Devin Smith this summer. You yeah. know, it's like these guys, will, these guys will just walk around and nobody and in the, the, young guy, the young generation will never know, yeah. you know, fans. I mean, just basketball fans in general yeah. will never know because the United States does not have an, an interest in European basketball yet. But I think we're starting to... To bridge that Maybe. gap. Now yeah. with Luca, yeah. stuff stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean with Luca, I mean. I mean but it also shows the disrespect to European basketball because uh, oh, no for one, sure. like he, the guy is like the top guy in the draft, obviously. But uh, yeah, he's playing in Real Madrid with like former NBA guys. But you see this uh, other guy playing with eighteen-year-olds, uh, and uh, everyone thinks he's better. But it's ridiculous, you know. Right, and now and that was the funny thing because uh, Swiss culture is only a year and a half old. So at the point where we're like eight or nine months, you know, that's when the season's winding down and, uh, you know, people were starting to think about the draft and everybody was on our page if we posted something on Luca, and they're like, oh, is uh, is college basketball better than EuroLeague? <laughs> you know, it's just the ignorance is, yeah. uh, you know, I can't blame them because it's not on TV. It's not yeah. on TV in the States and, you know, I, I can't blame them, but it's like there were all these questions and, uh, you know, just being behind switch cultures, I sometimes I want to say something, yeah. but you know I rather let the fans kind of argue it out. So yeah, you mentioned Carl Brown. Uh, you hosted him once in your uh, great podcast, Hero oh, Step, yeah. and uh, you actually I want to take you back because you he actually replaced you in a poll after right. after you didn't uh, negotiations didn't do go well, right? And and you you say that you get you're in the states in the airport. Get this phone call from Erez Adelstein, who's asking asking you to re- to recommend, yeah, uh, to give you recommendations about Carlon Brown, which is kind of a weird situation, thinking that he's coming to replace you. Yeah, I spoke to both of them actually uh, that day in the airport, and um, yeah, it was uh, you know Erez is you know Erez my guy. I'm gonna see him tonight. You know, I always I always call him. He's hilarious, but uh, you know. In that situation, you know, Erez, he, you know, he does, he's a straight shooter. You know, he's gonna, he's gonna ask, he's gonna tell everything exactly 100% real. And, uh, you know, he told me he was interested in Carlin. He wanted to know what kind of guy he was and, you know, things like that. Uh, because you have to have the right personality to deal with Erez. You know, he can't just bring anybody in. So, um, yeah, and I thought it was a, I thought it was a perfect fit for, uh, you know, for both. But isn't it weird that the coach is is calling you to uh, you know call to make uh, to give take your advice for someone who's supposed to replace you and you're in the airport with your flight anxiety right <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I was I wasn't a hundred percent there you know I was on my anxiety medicine because I was flying but uh, yeah I was I definitely um, you know I, I think I thought it was just uh, you know Aries respects my opinion you yeah. know and um uh, You know, Ares knows I'm not going to lie to him about any situation. So, um, you know, even though Carlin was coming in there to replace me, I mean, I, I forget which time of year it was, but I'm pretty sure I knew I had an idea of where I was going. So, uh, you know, it was okay, and it, it worked out uh, beautifully for, for both parties, man. A little bit about Ares, because, you know, this guy is a huge basketball brain. He, mm-hmm. is, he has a real philosophy of how uh, to play the game. 
But his character just doesn't let him succeed in the long term. He doesn't work in any club in Sinsapol except for a few games in Maccabi. He coached the national team and that ended. He just why stops this guy to go into the heights his brain needs to, needs to take him? Uh, you know, I hear this all the time and everybody talks about, you know, Erez's, uh, his temperament and, and, and things like that. And that is not what's stopping Erez from, let's say, reaching, you know, a higher level as far as coaching or whatever it is. I mean, I'm sure because of how he is, the things, uh, how, how, how blunt he is, he, maybe he rubs people the wrong way. But I think that Ares, as a basketball mind, he's one of the best coaches that I've had, period. And I'm talking about, you know, D-League, college, you know, whatever. He's, he's so smart as far as how he breaks things down. But, you know, let's not get it confused. He's, he's a coach. He can't score the ball, you know. No matter what you're doing, you don't know what these guys are doing outside of practice. If they're getting more shots up or whatever it is. I mean, his offense, I mean, the year that they had Carlin, like, they probably had the lowest budget in the league, but yeah. the top two scorers in the league were on one team. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like his system is proven that it works. You know, it's just sometimes just getting the right pieces, getting the players to buy in or getting – it's just so many things you have to manage as a coach that it's impossible to be successful every year. Did you have any uh, Charles Thomas experience? Because I have to tell our listeners, <laughs> you had a Eurostep uh, podcast with Charles Thomas, ex-Makabi right. Ashdod and Makabi Rishon, who said he was in Ukraine and, and his president just pointed a gun at him at right. one point. Right. Uh, I, I didn't have any experience like that in, uh, in Europe. I've had some, uh, I've definitely had some crazy situations in Venezuela. Um, yeah. Venezuela's probably, I mean, it's the second most dangerous country in the world. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I wanted know. to ask you uh, after uh, later on, how did you find yourself playing in Venezuela? The money? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's good. The money's good. good league, back right? then, back then, back then, the money was crazy. Yeah. Like, back then, the money was crazy. Because you got to Venezuela in January 12, uh, 2016. Yeah, and, when, in 2011. To Southern End? 11. That was my very first job. My very first job overseas was in Venezuela. And then you came back at And then I came back 2016, yeah. So when, when it was when the new president, Maduro, just mm-hmm. decreed uh, an emergency situation in the country. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're in Venezuela, you, you don't really pay too much attention to, to politics and what's going on because you're just trying to stay alive like <laughs> in the city. Is that dangerous? Yeah. Is that the first night I got there in 2016, 2015? Like Caracas or? No, I was in a Barquisimeto. Okay. And uh, at that time, it was like either 18th or 12th most murderous city in the world. <laughs> But like the first night I was there, like you hear gunshots. Um, like I think four of my teammates had bulletproof cars. So don't you like call the um, urges? Where did the fuck nah, did you I mean, I, I knew Venezuela fuck? and I knew about it, yeah. but the the team there was, uh, they, they take every step to make sure that you're you're safe. Mm. You know, we, we travel with undercover policemen. Um, wow. You know, it's uh, they, they take a lot of measures to make sure you're safe. But yeah, Venezuela is by far the craziest uh, thing. But the funny thing is, is with Swiss cultures coming this summer, we're going to have a cartoon series of the craziest stories that have happened to basketball players oh, overseas. With the, we're actually working on the Charles Thomas story right now. Um, we're going to create, recreate all these different stories in a cartoon yeah. series, and we're going to release that in the, uh, in the summer. So 
I think that's going to be a hit because they're all true stories. Like, yeah. you know, they, they're crazy, so, but they're all true stories. So maybe tell us one crazy story you had in uh, Europe or, or Venezuela, Venezuela uh, somewhere in the world. Oh, man. My very first job, my very first job. Uh, so my very first job was in Venezuela. You know, I'm going to the team. I connect in Atlanta. I'm leaving two hours. Uh, I'm waiting two hours to leave from Atlanta to Venezuela. My flight's late. I land in Venezuela. I'm waiting that baggage plane. Somebody comes up like, hey, you American? I'm like, yeah. They're like, be careful, Venezuela. It's the second most dangerous country in the world. I'm like, okay. Somebody else comes up, hey, you American? I'm like, yeah. They're like, be careful, Venezuela. <laughs> so, like, three people came up and said this to me. I'm like, okay, just let me get my bag and, you know, I'm going to get out of here. My bag doesn't show up. I'm there like an hour talking to the Delta agent. I'm looking over to the other side where the people are standing. Don't see anybody with a polo. So uh, I'm talking to the Delta agent. They're like, okay, your bag's coming late. Your driver's name's Angel. He's waiting for you on the other side. I guess they radioed to the other side. So I walk out to where everybody's at. I don't see anybody. There's a guy just leaning on the rail. He's like, yo. I'm like, what's up? He's like, uh, you play Patrol Mundos? I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, come with me. I'm going to get you a hotel. Um, he's like, I'm going to get you a hotel. The team's going to reimburse you tomorrow because the city was three hours away. And he's like, he's like, all right. I was like, all right. He walks off. And I'm like, hey, what's your name? He's like, Angel. I was like, okay. So we get to the car. He's not even driving. His friend is driving. <laughs> so I get in the back seat, but I still got my backpack on. I don't even take it out because I'm like, look, because Venezuela just looks rough. Maybe you know, I got the, I got the door. It. Yeah, I got the door locked. I'm like, if he pulls up to any garage, any <laughs> suspect left, I'm James Bond. I'm out the window. You know, I'm, I'm out of here. Long story short, man, uh, I get to the hotel. The next day, I get finally, I get to the uh I get to the basketball office. The GM's not there. The secretary puts me on the phone with the GM. He's like, Anthony, you here? I'm like, yeah. He's like, how'd you get here? I'm like, Angel took me. He's like, no. He's like, how'd you get here? I'm like, Angel took me. He's like, nah, we'll talk at practice. Hangs up the phone. So now I'm looking at Angel and I'm looking around like, what happened? I go to practice and he's like, look, our driver, maybe his name was Angel by coincidence, but our driver Angel left because your flight was so delayed, this, that, and the other. Shit. He's like, we have no idea. We had no idea where you we were. We were calling your agent. He's like, you could have been kidnapped and not worse. Consider yourself lucky. So that was uh, that so, was my first 24 hours. So who hours. was the one taking you from there? Random guy. He must have heard the radio, and then he was like trying to make some money just to, oh, just to take me over there. Right. And uh, But it's crazy because, you know, I had team, during that time, I had teammates get a, uh, One of them got pulled over by two 13-year-olds. They put a gun to his head and robbed him. I mean, there was a knife fight in the stands. You would see guys walking down the streets with, like, guns in hand. You had to run inside the hotel. Like, sure. Venezuela was, it was crazy. Yeah. Now, um, you went to Stanford, which academically is one hell of a college. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I told you that before when I interviewed you five years ago, you must be quite a smart guy, right? Not that It's not that like everyone can get into Stanford just because they're right, playing basketball. Right, right, right. Okay, so you went to school with Josh Owens, one of your best friends. You told me that he's a real rocket scientist. Yeah, he's a robot. He's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Explain to me what is it. What, I saw an, an article about him just in, uh, in the Sports Channel a few months ago that he was working with robots actually and uh, doing some stuff. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. I mean, Josh is... He's that type, man. He's a smart guy. And now you're going to watch him today uh, in Jerusalem against Bamberg. But I, I wanted to talk to you actually about two more famous players he played with, which are in Stanford, which are the Lopez, Lopez Twins. Mm -hmm. uh, Brooke and Robin, both now veteran NBA players. 
Uh, now, what's happening with Brook is, is amazing because this guy, he only scored three three-pointers in his first eight seasons in the league. And he has become the best shooting center in the NBA. Now in Milwaukee, he's shooting 39% for three with 6.5 attempts every game. So yeah. how do you explain such a phenomenon? Well, I've always known Brook can shoot the ball. Yeah. I'm not going to say I knew he could shoot the ball like this, but we had a... There was... I remember Brooke was out when we were in college. Uh, he had a uh, he had a back injury, or he's academically ineligible. Not actually, he was academically ineligible for the first half of the season. So he was always on the practice squad, and we used to have a drill where we had to get three stops in a row before we could go on offense. And we were probably on defense for like 30, 40 minutes <laughs> because of Brooke. And Brooke was he was hitting threes, fadeaways, crossovers, you name it. Yeah. And it was I remember that practice because I left that practice like he's a pro. He doesn't belong yeah. here. And uh, once he came back, once he came back to the team, he shot like maybe one jump shot. And our coach was very old school. He called a timeout. He was like, Brooke, you go to this block, you shoot your hook shot every single time. And he, that's all Brooke did for the rest of that season. And then he goes to the NBA and he, he has an amazing touch. So, you know, and he's seven foot and, you know, we're kind of just, you know, in that whole, at least back then when he came into the NBA, everything was not so three point heavy, you know, still transitioning out of the, positions one two three four and five and you know they looked at him as that five man so he's on the block but he's always been able to shoot the ball he's always had an amazing touch but i mean what he's doing now i haven't seen i haven't seen stretch five like that yeah, and crazy. his twin brother robin playing in chicago is now trying to copycat him and starting to shoot <laughs> hey i don't know he if robin should be touch. doing that yeah. yeah i don't know if robin should be doing that i mean they better <laughs> Keep some rim pain around. I don't know if Robin should be doing that, but uh, you know they're twins, so maybe he feels whatever Brooke feels. Yeah. And, uh, you what, know. What's the relationship between them? Like they're uh, they're pretty funny oh, guys. Oh my kind of gosh. Comic, comic geeks, right? Or they're like they're like at least they were. I'm not gonna speak for yeah. them now. I mean they're grown now, but at least they were in college. They were like. Little kids in like seven foot bodies, man. Right. I mean, they were like the type of brothers, like, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, seriously, they would get into those type of arguments. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they love each other. They're as close as can be. And um, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's best for, it's great for both of their development. I mean, they work out together, they play together, you know, it's a, It's great for both of them. When you see big men scoring like that from the outside, as a, sh as a guard shooter, don't you feel that your place in basketball is a bit irrelevant now? <laughs> nah, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's irrelevant. I just think it's tougher for the other big men because now it's like, yeah. hey, you can't shoot. Now you got to come off the screens that we come off of. Like, you know, it's, it's tough for basketball, man, but basketball is evolving. And, yeah. um, and, but do you like the, the, the way basketball is going? Like the old... Because everyone wants to be Golden State Warriors now. Everyone's right. shooting 53s a game. And you see Houston and it's like one-man show. James Harden like uh, pick and roll and shooting. Right. And that's it. Like, do you, or are you more of a San Antonio, classic San Antonio Spurs game uh, guy? What, what, what's your take about uh, the, the way the NBA is going? And uh, basketball in general? Yeah, I mean, I like, uh, I mean, I like to watch Golden State because I think they run... A lot of actions like yeah they shoot a lot of threes but it's like how they get to those threes like they run that down screen oh, with like clay and steph and yeah. one of them's going back door it's like how do you guard that so you know i see i see the beauty in that but um for me i mean just because i, I watch european basketball more i'm just more impressed with uh european basketball euro league euro cup i mean whatever it may be um i, I just think it's 
you know, the court is smaller because of the rules and things and, uh, you know, with the with the defensive three seconds not being there and, you know, guys are pressuring the ball a lot more. And that's why I saw that Luka was going to be fine because nobody's stepping out. That seven-footer is not stepping out on a pick and roll. He's going to be flat in the NBA, and he's yeah. going to be able to pick that apart because he was able to pick it apart when they were stepping out. Yeah. He was still finding the guy in the corner. So I knew, you know, it was going to be easy for him going to the NBA. But, yeah, I think uh, I like European basketball. I mean, don't get me wrong. NBA basketball is, is very entertaining. But for me, just as a, as, a basketball, uh, as a basketball head, I just prefer the European game. But still, let me ask you just about your NBA experience because mm-hmm. you were uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder right. training camp right. uh, in the lockout season. Mm-hmm. And that was when the three big three the, the three big three back right. then were, were still playing together, Kevin Durant, Westbrook, James Harden. Right. Also the Quan Cook who yeah, was, yeah, uh, was right there. now in the <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was there. How was that how did you see the whole interaction there and and, and the, what was your experience in the in the Thunder? Uh when I was with the Thunder, I mean it was they they were they were a very tight knit group. They were they were much like a family. Um, you know, from from like the last guy on the bench to to everybody, uh, I thought the the way they focused, the way they prepared, guys were always in there getting individual work before uh, before the training crap camp practices. Guys were staying after and getting work in. I thought it was a I thought it was a great situation, and I knew that they were going to be successful. James Harden was hurt during that training camp, so he didn't uh, participate. But I mean, he was there like rehabbing and stuff, but. I knew that they had the pieces to be successful and then you know they ended up making it to the finals but uh it was a, it was a great experience man just to see that level and how hard they worked and and things like that I thought it was uh I thought it was great and as as a, as a player that um doesn't have like a contract or is trying to make the roster what can you tell us like this the experience of someone like uh, for, yeah. for you like uh, as someone that wants to show himself and and right. get in the Right. Well, when I went there, they uh, they pretty much told me, like, you know, there's there's not an open spot, um, you know, but I, I was just going for the experience. But when I got there, they traded like Nate Robinson and, you know, some things were happening. So a spot ended up opening up. And uh, as the time went, you know, you see some guys going home. And uh, and I remember it was like the very last day it was like the, the day before Christmas or something like that and uh, I knew like the next day was it was between me and one other guy he was a big I was a guard mm-hmm. and um, you know you're just waiting like man either this is gonna be the best Christmas ever or you know what I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be going home but uh, yeah they ended up choosing a, his name was uh, Ryan Reed um, but it was uh, it was unexpected for me I didn't I didn't expect to be there as long as I was. Um, I felt like in the practices and stuff I was I was playing much better than I thought I adjusted fast but you know like I knew Russ I knew James you know I knew uh, a couple of the guys just from like college and you know just being in LA and stuff like that so you know Russ and them kind of made me feel comfortable there so it was uh, easier for me to kind of I wanted to ask you about a little bit about the D League in your days G League to, to, today uh, going through the ranks over there are, how is it playing there are there any rivalries team spirit uh, I would imagine it just players pumping you know waiting f- to show themselves and pumping up their numbers yeah uh, a lot of guys it is about numbers uh, some guys are there to just play well and you know they play their role uh, I think it gets I think it gets a bad reputation that guys are there just to get numbers. You know, I mean, 
scorers are going to score no matter where they are. You know, uh, point guards that pass the ball at a high rate, they're going to pass the ball no matter where they are. Um, yeah, everybody wants to get a call up. I think now, like, it's much different than when I was there because there were less teams. There wasn't the two-way contracts. Uh, guys were getting called up, I think, at a higher rate. And, like, now you got the two-way contracts. You got the extra roster spot. I mean, it's you kind of you kind of got to work your way up um, to get that call up if you're just nobody, yeah. you know. So I think it's different. And there's just so many more teams, you know. It's, uh, it's difficult. But I think the D-League is uh, – with the two-way contracts and things that they're doing as far as sending the young guys down, I think it's definitely one of the most competitive leagues in the world right now. You know, um, there are a lot of D-League teams that if you put them up against European teams, depending on the rules, because I say that about NBA teams and EuroLeague teams too, like it, a lot depends on the rules that yeah. you're playing. If you're playing with European rules, like, yeah, the European teams are going to have the edge. You're playing with uh, American rules, American refs, that team's going to have the yeah. edge. But uh, I think a lot of the... Uh, I think a lot of the D-League teams are as good, if not better, than some of your top teams in Europe, talent-wise. I interviewed you five years ago, exactly five mm-hmm. years ago. So it was January 2014, okay. uh, when, you, when you left Israel to France, I think, right. to Cholet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to go back to something we didn't elaborate over the, uh, that, in that conversation. Because I asked you there, you know, you had this conference confrontation with the fans of Holon uh, in the game between a and yeah, yeah. as, as a spectator and I, I asked you were, were you afraid and you told me like man I'm from California I was shot at <laughs> or so, and, 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 and I wanted to ask you about you, know, you said you were involved in this drive-by shooting once so uh, yeah. tell me about the, this uh, part of your life well I mean just being in a, just growing up in California there's gonna be Especially if you go out at night, you know what I mean? You're going to find yourself in, uh, in weird situations. Uh, I remember once when I was <clears throat> when I was 16, I was with, uh, I was with Sec Henry. And uh, I saw him at a concert, and he's like, yo, let's go to this party after. And I'm like, all right. So we, uh, we go to this party, and it's in a bad neighborhood. And uh, it's a house party. And then uh, so we're just waiting outside. And I remember there was a guy, he was waiting outside on the corner. And he was like, yo, I think y'all better go inside, you know. But he said it kind of serious. And we was like, all right. So we go inside and we're chilling. And then uh, all of a sudden you just hear shooting like, pat, 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 pat. He's like, damn. Like, he wasn't playing. <laughs> and then, uh, you he know. Knew, he knew what's coming. Yeah, he knew something was happening. And then, uh, you know, we waited a little bit. And then, you know, we left and we went to the car. But, uh, yeah, the uh, the time I was telling you about was a, was a different time. I was in college and, you know, I came home. You know, I played Stanford. I had a great sophomore year. Back home, feeling myself. And, you know, I'm seeing people. It was a friend's sister's birthday party at a club. And, uh, you know, I remember a girl was like, yeah, uh, you better. Uh, and she was like, I'm about to get out of here. I'm like, for what? She was like, yo, there's some dudes in here from Long Beach. They said they're going to shoot this. Uh, they said they're going to shoot the party up. I'm like, they ain't gonna do nothing, you know. I'm having a good time, and we're waiting in the parking lot after the, uh, after the club, and uh, yeah, it was just like I'm talking about like direct line, like right across, man. It was like four guys, and they was all out with their guns and just started shooting up the, uh, shooting up the party, and uh, you know, we got down, we put the put the recliners down on the, uh, put the recliners down on the um, on the seats and. You know, they hopped into their cars and, you know, after they finished shooting and then they, they drove off. But it's... Uh, what happened there? How many people died? I don't think anybody died. Nobody I mean, died? Because it, was, it wasn't like... 
it wasn't like everybody was outside you know what i'm saying yeah. like we were just leaving yeah. we were just leaving outside and uh, you know there was like a few people i don't know who they were shooting at yeah. but um i don't think anybody got died i don't know who got hit i left i was out of there but um you know it's it's just you know it's just a situation where you know when you back home especially in southern california you know uh people get shot at people get shot yeah. people did you also grew up in a like a rough neighborhood no or? i didn't that was the thing i grew up in the suburbs mm. i grew up in the suburbs but it's just like you just find yourself in these situations yeah. like you know everybody goes to la you know you have friends and you know like i was just chilling with sex <clears throat> like sex like yo let's go here yeah. we didn't know it was gonna get shot up nobody wants to yeah. be in that type of situation you know what i mean i had a I had another friend, he's from like a really, really rough area, you know, I'm taking him home and then, you know, I mean, he ended up getting shot and killed, like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just something that you run into in uh, in, in Southern California. I mean, all over the States. I mean, there's so many guns and stuff like you're going to run into those. If problems. you're called Glenn Rice Jr., you run into it a little bit more. Glenn Rice Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he gets into those uh, situations a little bit more often. Yeah. And, you know, I, he played here, you know, right. in the, the last season, in the last couple of couple of seasons ago. And, and I just love this guy, really. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, he's the kind of story you make a Netflix series from. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and these guys arrested, been arrested so many times. They, they found him with rifles, with lots of cash, weed, six different cell phones. I mean, Glenn Rice Jr. could... Have been a perfect character in my mind for the wire <laughs> <laughs> okay and uh, but you know uh, if we if we continue do you know him actually nah I actually uh, I don't know him I mean you know we've just covered him via switch cultures but I mean you know you hear the uh, you hear the stories and um, you know things like that and it's a uh, a lot of times like man you you never quite know what somebody's doing you know off the court you know and I always you hear things and then you know sometimes like people assume like okay he's doing this or he's doing that so, you know sometimes the truth is somewhere in between of what you really think is happening and uh you know people it, that are it does sound like his temper cost him like a lot of money you know what I mean yeah I mean he I, I don't know him but you know it's you definitely have to keep your temper in Europe, you yeah. know, it's, uh, it's not you, like can guaranteed. You, can you speak about a little bit about the, like, the cultural differences? Cause, okay, Israel is, is um, <coughs> a lot of American players say it's really nice because everyone speaks uh, English and it's more like Americanized, but when a player like you goes to Poland or goes to, I don't know, some shit all mm -hmm. in East Europe, you know what I mean? So, no one speaks English, the weather is shit, and, and can, can you tell us about the, the, the mentality <laughs> is, is such a, yeah, such, yeah, so different, so, like, what's the decision-making uh, process when you get an offer to go to a place like that? Yeah, uh, so if you're going to, like, a small town in, like, let's say, Eastern Europe, you know, it, it's tough, it's tough, because you know you're probably going to be bored, you know, it's not going to be fun, you know, for Americans, we love hip-hop, so it's like, it's easy to find these things here in Tel Aviv. Um, but you have to adjust to a lot of different things culturally. Like, even, uh, you know, I was telling friends, even when I went to the Nessiona game, you know, I've been in France, you know, the last few years, and just the the people, the mentality, everything in France, everybody's real reserved and conservative yeah. and quiet, very polite. Everybody's very nice and polite. You know, the fans, you know, they, they yeah. clap, you know, but, you know, nothing's too crazy. And it's like... As soon as the game started, you know, Nadav is going crazy, throwing his hands in the air, yelling at the refs. And, uh, you know, the fans are, you know, they, they're jumping out of their seats. And um, 
it's just like it, it was almost like a culture shock like where as like okay i'm not in france anymore like you know this is what i remember and it, even like just driving on the streets like the light turns green if you're not already halfway in the intersection they're honking their horn yeah. you know in france you can fall asleep at the green light. Nobody's going to honk their horn. They're going to wait till you wake up, and then everything's okay. And if I'm not mistaken, your first game in Apollo was the Derby. Right? Yeah, it was so, the very first like, game. you come to the craziest game. Yeah, it was the craziest. Probably was a great shock for you. Yeah, it was the, uh, it was the craziest I, game. I remember all, the, all the, the fans of Apollo talked about, I think Goods is a bit shocked, you know, it's like it's the game, first game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny because... Uh, Like before the team, I, the team I came from in Ukraine, like our uniforms are yellow, and yeah. uh, I wore yellow shoes that year. Wow. And I remember after I signed, like all the fans were on my Instagram, and they're like, "Welcome to Hopewell. Do not bring the yellow shoes." And I remember even Ares told me he was like, "Yo, don't bring the yellow shoes." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yo, what is this about yellow shoes? Yeah. Like I, I didn't get it. You yeah. know what I mean?" Uh, but as soon as I got there and I understood uh, what was going on with the derby, um, you know, it was crazy. Um, Obviously, that was like a huge game. I don't mean I didn't play that much that game, but it was uh, it was it was an amazing atmosphere, and uh, I had no idea what to expect about Israel. But uh, and, immediately, I fell in love. And uh, like the organization before the derby, the, the Apollo organization, can you speak about like uh, the atmosphere before the derby? What's what's the what the, what are they telling like the the American players so, so they that they understand the. The history and the rivalry right so but so when I actually got there it was probably like two or three days before the Derby yeah. so I just knew that it was gonna be a crazy game there's gonna be a lot of fans a lot of police um, I knew it was a rivalry game that's it but I've never played in a Derby before as far as overseas I didn't know anything about it I really just think it was just another basketball game um, but I can kind of see you know as soon as We're even before we're even there, you know, fans are in there and they're putting the uh, the big tarp down and, you know, everybody's getting prepared. And I'm like, okay, this is serious. This is kind of serious, <laughs> you know. And then once all the fans got there and, you know, Maccabi stepped on the floor, you know, you start to realize like, okay, this is a uh, this is crazy. And then, you know, we won. Everybody rushed the floor. And, you know, it was a uh, it was a historic night and it was a. Uh, It was it was great to be a part of. Yeah. You you and Colin actually said on that podcast you both that was the place you enjoyed the most playing in your career. Oh, for sure, for sure, by far. Not uh, it was uh, it was it was the it was the most fun for me because uh, I mean every, at least in Europe, that was my first experience where everything was was much like a family. You know what I'm saying? The from from management to you know the coaches, the players, the fans, like everybody was just. We were all in tune like a unit, and it was the same for me in in Nessiona as well. I thought it was um I thought it was the same there, so you know with with Hopewell and Nessiona i I enjoyed that, but you know with Hopewell I say it was I say it was the best because that was my first time uh that was my first time being in a situation in Europe where it was like that you know it was before it's just you know you're going somewhere, this is your job, you know um It was just more like a job, and then there that's when basketball overseas basketball became really, really fun for me. Yeah. I noticed like throughout that. your career that you've so many times you've gone to teams in the middle of the season mm-hmm. to some you know replace someone who's injured or been right. cut from the team uh so first of all, how is it uh being the constant replacement and uh well right just about that yeah it's uh it's crazy because. You know, I look at it and every time it was for different reasons. Like there were times like who long I was just playing bad, you know what I'm saying? And then you get cut. 
I mean, they were, you know, I probably got cut for playing bad maybe maybe two, maybe three times. Um, other times is financial reasons. You know, a uh, team doesn't have a, you know, like my the reason I came to Hopwell, my team ran out of money, yeah. you know, in Ukraine. Um, so every situation is different. And it's funny because, you know, I go to, uh, I've been to so many teams and I go to the team and the coaches are always like, you know, I don't get it. Why you been to so many teams? I thought you, you know, we didn't know if you were a bad guy or you're an asshole. Like, you know, I'm like, nah, man, it's just, you know, it's just different situations every time. And uh, I think the uh, the beauty of that is now, you know, I, I got a lot of friends, <laughs> you know what I mean? I met a lot of players. I'm uh, played in a lot of teams, played in a lot of countries. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, you have to kind of reset your mind, get used to new players, new teammates and, you know, a new system. And everything, you know, that's just on the court. But, um, you know, I just think that it's part of the game. And it's just one of those things where you just got to keep working, stay ready, especially when you're in between jobs. Obviously, you're a great shooter, solid defender. But what did you lack that prevented you from reaching the highest levels in Europe? The highest levels in Europe? I think that, uh, I think what I didn't do was I didn't... um, I don't think I, I, I passed the ball. I didn't pass the ball as well. I think I started passing the ball a lot better, um, you know, the last, like, few years, like, the, let's say, like, the last three. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I'm kind of at that size where it's just like, you know, either you're, like, going to be, like, a hell of a scorer or you're going to be kind of like a combo guard, like, help bring the ball up, that type. And um, so I was kind of a tweener in that sense. And then I think, like, you know, you know, defensively, if you want to get to, like, the higher levels of Europe, like, you have to press the ball. Like, you have to, you know, be up and, and things of that nature. And, you know, I always thought I was solid defensively, you know, as far as one-on-one defense. You know, I'm not getting blown by every time or anything like that. But, you know, I'm not the guy that's going to press you 194 uh, feet and steal the ball from you at half court, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, at some point, you know, as you're moving up the ladder in Europe, you know, definitely when you get to the higher levels, you have to kind of be that ball hawk defender if they're going to keep you on that floor or you just have to be the best shooter that they've seen or on yeah. the floor. So uh, I think that was kind of that was kind of the uh, the reason. And, you know, you just have you got some bumps in the road, you know, along the way. You know, you have some bad situations and, you know, you have to take like a smaller job and then, you know, it's kind of yeah. harder to uh, to move up from there. But, um, you know, it's all it's all part of the experience. Let's play this uh, little game. Okay. Uh, we'll call it uh, Take It or Leave Take It. Take It or Leave It. Take It or Leave It. Yeah. yeah. We'll right. give you some opinions and you'll say if you're going to take them or leave them. Uh, just explain a little bit. Elaborate. Elaborate a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anthony Davis going to the LA Lakers. Got to take it. Got to take it. Got to take it. Yeah. Well, for me, if you, I have to say the whole, it smells bad what's happening there, you know. I see LeBron James speaking about he wants uh, Anthony Davis with him. Then the, Smells like tampering. Yeah, yeah. then the agent, you know, the same agents asking for a trade. It smells so bad. Yeah, but the Lakers are trying to win now. They're trying to win now. Um and Anthony Davis can do everything, especially in this type of league where the bigs are now shooting three-pointers and things like that. I mean, if you got an Anthony Davis and a LeBron and whoever else they can keep, I mean, I think you definitely put yourself in a position to be successful. I mean, uh, I mean, he beat the Warriors with just the Kyrie, and you know what I'm saying? So if, if he gets another superstar over there, I mean, he's definitely going to 
turn some heads. I don't, I don't think I don't think they're trading him though. Yeah, it not, depends not to on the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Not to the New Orleans. Yeah, I, I think Boston's gonna put a big package for him. Put a big, yeah, in the summer. Yeah, because they can't do it now yeah. because of this. You know, right, this thing with Kyrie. Yeah, yeah. Kyrie. I would definitely want to see. Uh, Anthony Davis with LeBron playing the Warriors in the playoffs. That's it. Right. That should be one hell of a show. And, okay, Tom Brady is as big as Michael Jordan. No, leaving that. <laughs> leaving that conversation. <laughs> leaving okay, that are, you, are you into football? Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I'm not like a football head, but I, I know. But I know. But I mean, when you start talking about Jordan, I mean, okay, how many NFL games have you guys watched? I can't watch Okay, okay, okay. How many NFL games have your friends watched? Uh, zero, I guess. Okay, so that's the thing is like when Jordan was playing, like Everyone people all over the world, yeah. they knew Michael Jordan, they knew the Chicago Bulls, yeah. they were watching the Chicago Bulls. Tom Brady, he's great in the United States. He's probably the best uh, quarterback we've ever had in the, in the NFL, but. I mean, Jordan is an icon, like, Something you else. know, Jordan, Michael Jackson, yeah. you know. Without the pedophile. Uh, huh? Without the pedophile. Uh, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm staying away from that. I'm staying away from that. I'm talking about it. in their craft. Yeah. In their craft. Yeah. Like, you got kids today, five years old, no Michael Jackson songs. So, yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah. It's good that they know him, but that, that he doesn't know them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm staying away from that one, man. I'm staying away from that one. Yeah. Next one, take it or leave it. Donald Trump, make America great again. Uh, I, I gotta I gotta leave it him and him and make America great <laughs> I gotta I gotta leave it man you know I think I think Donald Trump he's uh he's he's turning the United States he's turning this whole this whole thing into a reality show um, there's a lot of things that he's he's doing that you know it's just it's just wrong but it's just weird it's like he never he never ceases to To find a way to disrespect people yeah. and I mean and I, and I feel bad I mean let's just keep it in the context of sports you know even the uh, the national champions you know they get a chance to come to the White House whether they want to see you or not yeah. you know what I mean it's the White House you know it's, you know it's a place that very few people get a chance to go and see at the level that they get to see and then they're greeted with hamburgers and pizzas and it's like you know he's going back to eat his steak or whatever yeah. he's gonna have but It's like you could have ordered so many different other restaurants, like Italian food, anything. Yeah, we're talking about the, the um, uh, shutdown of the government. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you know, he shuts down the government. And I mean, everything he's doing is just, it's really like unbelievable. And do you feel there's a rise in uh, racism in America since he's no. president? I, look, everybody, everybody's going to say, about, like, everybody's gonna say there's a rise, there's not a rise. I mean, racism has been there. It's been this thick. So it's Now it's just on TV and, you know, you're having like a few like more marches and stuff like that. But, I mean, you, it's been there. Like, yeah. you know, so this is, this is nothing new. Um, I think America probably just had like a closed eye to it. And now because, you know, um, the face of our country now has some racist views. I mean, it was the same way under Barack Obama. It was the same way under Bush or whoever yeah. else. Like, racism is not going anywhere in the States. Before we finish, uh, are you, are you, can we see you now as a player and entrepreneur with all your uh, new uh, startups and uh, websites uh, going on? For sure. For sure. I am. A, I guess I am definitely an entrepreneur off the court. You know, we have a 
numbers for the win is going to be your, you know, kind of where you get your stats and your videos and all your website content. And then obviously we have Swiss Cultures providing the, uh, the video highlights. And I think what we're going to do with numbers for the win, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give all the details away, but I, I promise it's going to be something huge. But I think that we're going to change overseas basketball from a media aspect because there are things that there are things that I feel like are missing as far as, you know, uh, European basketball in different ways that they could make it more attractive, make it more fun for the fan, for the player, for the agent, for, for everybody. So hopefully we'll be able to bring that to, to the world via numbers for the wind. And I think, uh, you know, we, we've gotten a lot of the, uh, the players' attention, you know, with Swiss culture. So I'm just hoping to, you know, build these things up and, uh, you know, just give those my full attention once I, once I retire down there. How long do you think you're going to go? Like, uh, how many playing years do you think you got in here? Yeah, I think I got I think I got three to four good ones. Yeah, right. and then you know the ones after that I'm just gonna be out there fouling guys. And, uh, <laughs> you know, get the, your chance. Yeah, your chance. yeah. You know the, the ones after that I'm just gonna maybe I'll take like a you know fourth division job in Ibiza <laughs> or something. Yeah, do those seasons in Europe? Don't try Venezuela again. Nah, nah. I'm, I'm not Stay definitely. Safe. I don't want any. I don't want any parts of Venezuela right now. <laughs> no parts of Venezuela right now. But uh, yeah. Uh, Definitely, I think I got like three or four good ones in me, and then you know we'll see, we'll yeah. see where I'm at out okay. there. Okay, Anthony Goods, thanks so much for uh, coming here. Hey, thank, thank you. you both, thank you both. Thank you very much. It was great.